Good morning. We uh, are continuing our series of Encountering Jesus, and uh, today's message is entitled The Lord's Supper. And um, uh, Jamie did a wonderful job, uh, so he explained everything what I had to say, <laughs> which we always do on Sunday morning. So now we'll make it a Q&A. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No. No, I, I don't take tough questions. Uh, anyway, so um, <clears throat> um, as I said, we, we're talking uh, about, we are looking at uh, Luke chapter uh, 22 and uh, from verses uh, 14 to 23. Um, so before we read that passage, I just wanted to <clears throat> say a few things. Um, uh, I don't know about you, but um, uh, when someone dear to us, be with us for some time, and goes away for a period of time. Um, it could be a, a family member, very close family member, or it could be a close friend. Uh, usually the conversation during the, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the last hours before their departure is usually very valuable. You could be spending many days together, but then the last few hours you'll be saying so many things that, okay, oh, we had, should have talked about this, but then, but just remember this. This is what something which I want to leave with you. Uh, that has happened to us quite, quite a bit. And uh, sometimes people give uh, parting gifts, and uh, which serve as a reminder of their love and care for each other. Um, <clears throat> I remember when our family moved um, from India to the States in 2009, the church in Bangalore where we uh, attended, uh, they uh, gifted us a Bible commentary. And every time I opened that book, which was as recent as yesterday, um, it brings back memories and uh, the great time of fellowship we had with the people of God back in, back in that place. And uh, here in this passage we are going to consider this morning, Jesus and his disciples uh, were in a similar setting. And uh, so, let us uh, read that passage. But uh, as we read this passage, um, I want us to consider three main things. Why did Jesus choose to say those things which he said at that particular time? And what is the significance of uh, Jesus' words? And what is its implication on a follower of Jesus? Okay, so let's uh, open our Bibles to Luke 22. I'm going to read from 14 through 8, 18 to start with. And when the hour had come, this is verse 14. He sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God 
comes. Shall we look to the Lord again? Father, we thank you again for this time. As we consider your word this morning, Lord, pray that you may give us understanding. It is your spirit that gives us understanding. Help us to humble our hearts, open our hearts to listen to what you have to say and meet our needs wherever we are. For we ask this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, uh, as we read uh, here, um, this is the Passover time. And Jesus says, um, uh, the verse says that he sat down to eat this Passover with his disciples. So, um, you know, Jesus and his disciples have had several meals together in the three-year period they were together. Uh, and up, and, up until this point, and even uh, maybe a couple of Passovers together, they had celebrated. But uh, this one was a special one. And Jesus had a passionate desire, that's what we read here, passionate desire to eat this Passover with his apostles. Why would that be? The time for him to get betrayed, to suffer and to die has come. It was at hand, it says, the verse says. They had only a few more hours together. And he's going to be separated from them soon. He's going to go away. So before Jesus is crucified and died, he had to convey some important matters for the disciples to remember after he is gone. So, at this point, it will be uh, worthwhile to briefly look at what the, the significance of the Passover is. Uh, I'm not sure whether every one of us are familiar with the, what the Passover signifies. We read about the, the first Passover in the Old Testament book of Exodus and in chapter 12. Uh, we don't have much time to go through the details, uh, but uh, here's a brief summary how it occurred. So, if you remember Joseph. Anyone know Joseph in the Bible? Yeah? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, Jacob Jacob had 12 sons. And Joseph was one among them. And uh, he was uh, one of the beloved sons of uh, uh, Jacob. And uh, Joseph uh, uh, was sold by his envious brothers into slavery. And he finally ends up in Egypt at Potiphar's house. And years later, Joseph becomes the prime minister of the land and brings his father, his brothers, and their families to Egypt. The Israelites multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land of Egypt. Eventually, a new king comes to power in Egypt and who knew nothing about Joseph and his good works for the land. Egyptians began mistreating the Israelites by imposing them with them very hard labor. They made their lives bitter. They were ruthless in their demands. The people chosen by God who were once free become slaves, and their lives become very miserable. 
Finally, they cries to the Lord for help. God hears a cry and appoints Moses to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of Egyptians. And in uh, Exodus 8 and verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses and he says, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Let my people go, that they may serve me. God wanted to deliver the people, not for them to live as they pleased, but to serve him, to worship him. However, Pharaoh would not let them go. Instead, he burdened them more, even more, hard labor. Finally, the Lord institutes the Passover, and we read that in Exodus chapter 12. And if you read, read that, we don't have time to read all the details, but uh, these were the requirements of the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, Every man shall take for himself a lamb, a lamb for a household. The lamb shall be without any defects. They have to kill the lamb at twilight, take some blood and put, put it on two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They were to eat the flesh at night, that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And when we skip down to verse 23, <coughs> same chapter, the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. That was a, that was a command, that was a promise. And then, continuing in verse 26 and 27, <coughs> the Moses was told that you have to tell the people that you have to continue this uh, celebration. You have to remember this every year, even after you go into the promised land. And in 26, 27 it says, And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by the service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the Israelites who obeyed the word of God were spared from death of their firstborn. Why? Because they were good people? No, because they were covered by the blood of the Passover lamp. <coughs> God made a provision <coughs> for those who trusted in him to escape the physical death and to deliver them from bondage and oppression of their physical enemy. The Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples disciples lasted several hours. And uh, typically, what I read is uh, a Passover meal will have four cups um, of wine and uh, lots of food. I don't know how they celebrate today. I mean, I've never been to a Passover celebration, but this is how they do it. Uh, and the first cup they drank uh, signifies 
uh, or indicates a cup of cup of sanctification, meaning the Lord's the remembering Lord's promise that I will bring you out. The second cup is a cup of deliverance, indicating that I will deliver you from bondage. And the third cup is the cup of redemption, indicating that I will redeem you. And the fourth is the cup of restoration. Uh, I will take you. So many theologians uh, have some difference of opinion. If you, if you carefully observe what we read in the passage from Luke, there are two cups mentioned there. Uh, only two, two cups mentioned there. Whether it's the same cup or different cup, you know, there's no, there are no details there. But many the- theologians believe that Jesus and his disciples took the first two cups until this point. So, what is the significance of the Passover for a Jesus follower? This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Anyone who cries for help to the Lord and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior will be covered by the blood of Christ. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today, you and I who have trusted in Christ as our Savior are not condemned for our sins. Not because we are good people, as uh, Jamie was saying, but only because we have responded to God in obedience, in faith, and allowed Him to apply the blood of Christ to the doorpost and lintel of our lives. We who were under the spiritual bondage of sin and Satan have been delivered from slavery into freedom so that we will serve and worship the living God. So coming back to Luke 22. So this is the setting on which, in which Jesus says all this. And in verse 16, um, Jesus says, I will no longer eat it, eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Again in verse 18, he says, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God comes. What is Jesus uh, trying to say here? Jesus is saying here that he would not eat the Passover or drink wine until his kingdom is physically established on this earth. And that will happen when Jesus comes back the second time. And that day is fast approaching. And God's children are eagerly looking forward to it, for his coming, for his appearance. Jesus then moves on to say these things in verse 19. And verse 19 of Luke 22 reads, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here Jesus is introducing uh, to the disciples something very new, which they have never heard before. 
in any of the previous Passover celebrations. And here the Lord institutes the Lord's Supper, as we call it. This sacred memorial was instituted so that his followers down through the centuries would remember him in his death. He first gave them bread as a symbol of the body which would shortly be given for them. So what is the significance of this? Um, in the book of Leviticus, if you, that's a book from the Old Testament, we read about the sin offering. Uh, for instance, uh, if a person sins unintentionally, this is from Leviticus chapter 4, against the Lord in anything, and Leviticus 4 and 4 verse says, uh, says, He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Lay his hands on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. Verse 7, And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. This is how they had to... uh, this is the, this is the, this is what they had to, this is the sacrifice they had to bring if they sin. And when Jesus was on the cross, the penalty of my sins and yours were laid on his body. He is the propitiation for our sins. We read that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 and 1 John 4 and 10, 4 and verse 10. He bore the death punishment you and I had to suffer on his own body and died in our place. During the Old Testament time, an animal was killed. But Jesus took that punishment upon himself. And Jesus says, this is the, my body given to you. Remember me when you take this bread. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Sorry, before that, maybe uh, even in John uh, 1 and 29, we read the next day, John, who is the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we were healed. 1 Peter 2 and 24. Who, that is uh, Jesus, himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Ephesians 5 and verse 2. The second part, as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord, meaning it was fully acceptable to the God, the Father, as a complete payment for our redemption. So, As we take the the bread, 
This is what goes behind that. Now Jesus takes the cup after that. Possibly the third cup of the Passover meal. The cup of redemption. And he says, that is in verse 20. um, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. This is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. What is that? You would ask, right? I mean, I will ask, what is that new covenant? <laughs> right? Um, so if you have to know what the new covenant is, we need to think about the old covenant. So there was an old covenant existing. That's why Jesus is saying this is a new covenant. So let's look at, uh, let's briefly look at the old covenant. Uh, we read this in uh, Exodus 24, uh, again, verses 1 through 11. There we read that Moses, again, sacrifice, a lot of sacrifice here. Uh, Moses sprinkled the sacrificial blood on the altar and on the people. And verse, verse 8 of chapter 24, Moses said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. And he was reading from the book of uh, the covenant. And then he sprinkles blood both the, on both the parties involved in the covenant to keep the terms of the covenant. These were symbolic and ceremonial and were the shadow of the new things to come. Half of the blood was sprinkled on the altar representing God's part and half, of the, and half on the people signifying the determination of the people to keep their part of the agreement. And in Luke 22 and 20, Jesus says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus is pointing to the new covenant prophesied in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. According to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, In the new covenant, God promises to enter into a relationship with his people. God's law will not be an external thing anymore, but it will be actually written on their hearts. God will make his people new. He will cleanse from their sins. He will wash them and be in their midst in a way that they never experienced under the old covenant. And Ezekiel 36 Verses 26 and 27 reads like this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Lord Jesus, through his own blood shed on the cross establishes the new covenant, fulfilling God's promise with those who believe and trust in Him. It is a covenant in which God's people are born again, made new creatures who delight in God and delight in God's Word. Hebrews 9 and verse 15 reads like this, 
This is why he, meaning Jesus, is the one who mediate a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they had committed under the first covenant. Again, Hebrews 9, verse 22. According And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without blood, shedding of blood, there is no remission. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In Him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Again, it is not because of our own merits that Christ offered himself for us, but because of his great love and abundant grace toward each one of us. At this point, it is important to note that the bread Jesus broke and the cup which was passed remained as simple bread and wine. Jesus gave them, a, gave them as a symbol to serve as a reminder of his body broken and his sinless blood shed on the cross of Calvary. Did that piece of bread transform into flesh of the Lord and the wine turned into real blood? The answer is no. And how do we know that? Um, we have to ask Jesus about it, right? And uh, there's a golden rule in biblical understanding and studying that Scripture has to interpret Scripture. So, uh, if you look at John John chapter 6, with Jamie referenced this morning as well, um, 6 and verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 47. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus very clearly says, here, that by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he means coming to him, believing in him, feeding on his words, and becoming one with him. However, the Jews uh, who were in conversation with Jesus um, asked among themselves how this man could possibly give this, his flesh to be eaten by others. They really ask this question in this passage in John 6. And uh, many people who followed Jesus were offended on hearing these things because they literally thought about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood, which were forbidden by Jewish law. And Jesus then says in verse 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. 
The Jews who were conversing with Jesus were still thinking in terms of literal flesh and literal blood. Their thoughts were unable to rise above the things of this life. They did not realize that the Lord was using physical things to teach spiritual truths. The spiritual truth here is that as followers of Christ, we have to constantly feed on Jesus' words and be led by His Spirit. The spiritual union with the triune God of you and I is a key message here. Only through Christ, one can enter into this relationship with God because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was holy, perfect, and complete in the sight of God for you and for me. So this is where Jesus instituted the first Lord's Supper, as we call it today. And... uh, Observance of Lord's Supper is one of the two ordinances Jesus gave his disciples to follow. The other one is uh, the believer's baptism. We see from the scriptures in Acts 2 and verse 42, and even 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, that the disciples followed this ever since Lord Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And uh, even whatever Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 11 is in line with what Jesus was saying here. And towards the end, Paul says, do this until he comes. We have been asked to observe Lord's table, the Lord's supper, until he comes, and he is coming back soon. So when we are at the Lord's table, We remember that Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood covers us from the wrath of God and delivered us from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus is our sin offering to God because he bore the penalty of our sins upon his body. Jesus is our mediator. He mediated for us to partake in the new covenant to make us a new creation in Christ because of the efficacy of His sinless, precious blood shed on the cross. So the question is, is Jesus your Passover lamb? Is Jesus your sin offering? Is Jesus your mediator? May God help each one of us to meditate on these spiritual truths as we approach the Lord's table each time we come together here. And may our hearts, thinking about this, should our hearts should overflow with joy and gratitude. And that, that will bring meaningful worship to the Lord. So let's do that and let's pray Lord, thank you for this time that you have given us to consider your word. And Lord Jesus, thank you 
that you were willing to be our Passover lamb in order to deliver us from death and destruction. Lord, you covered, your blood covered our sins. You gave us the grace to believe it and put our trust in you. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the body, your body which was sacrificed as a sin offering. And we thank you for the precious blood which was shed on the cross. And because of which we have, your partakers of the new covenant. And you have given us a spirit, your spirit, to live within us. What a great privilege we have for those of us who have trust, trusted you. And Lord, this time we pray for those, anyone here who have not trusted you in a very personal way, that your spirit may move in their hearts. Because you did it all because you loved us, because of the joy which was set before you in order to redeem us to be, bring back to be with you. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.